Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy God, we love you and thank you. We praise you and adore you. Lord, I ask that you would give us grace today. Give us your mercy. Help us Help us to have a good, uh, a good beginning of this liturgical year, a fresh start. Lord, help us to um, not miss out on the chance to, to discern in a fresh way, in a new way, in a living way, your contact with us and what it is you intend to do in our lives. Lord, give us health and safety. And Father, show forth your hand of almighty mercy and providential care so that you will guide us, provide for us, and protect us from all harm and danger of any sort. Father, we love you, and in Jesus' name we cry out, Abba, Father, through the gift of your Holy Spirit, nurture in us our relationship with you, O God. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Elements of that prayer show up in my family prayer when we pray in the evenings. It's something that prayer by itself, is it's a catechetical thing. By catechetical, I mean it, it forms us as disciples. It forms those who hear and engage in prayer as followers of Jesus. It nurtures our own relationship with Jesus. And you can see, by, by how I prayed right there, I was not telling God something about who he is in our regard, but I was instead calling upon him through the form of the prayer, by the, the way I was shaping the, the words that I was petitioning. Uh, I was calling upon the 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 mighty god the, the the i was calling upon god in the way that he has revealed himself it's one of those theological principles you know who god is by paying attention by how he has acted pay attention to what he's done and you'll come to know who he is action follows being action follows being Agere sequitur esse, essay. And so, if you want to understand something of God's being, pay attention to God's action. So, God created. <laughs> He's the creator. So, you know something about God, this almighty force, this power to create. And we're going to learn about that in the Catechism. But then, this God who created also has a providential care. For us. How do we know that? He sent his son to be redeemer. He revealed, in fact, who he was by what he's done. And again, we're going to learn about that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. But what you learn in the Catechism should shape how you pray. For we pray in accord with how we believe. So studying something like the Catechism isn't a, a mere intellectual exercise it's not something that is only for those who are academically oriented or who like to read or interested in studying. No, what I'm talking about is nurturing a more profound relationship with the living God. Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with God? I hope so. Yes, I do. 
uh, yesterday, or uh, I'm recording this on Tuesday night. No, Monday? Monday night. I'm recording this, and I I had a um, <laughs> humbling realization that I'm not as holy as I think I am. And uh, it was revealed to me <laughs> by my wife, Carrie. And she says, you, honey, you better look in the mirror and take a look at how you spend your time. You better take a look in the mirror and see how you, how you, how passionately are you devoted to and generously giving yourself over to the pursuit of God and the things of God and of serving God. And I'm like, I didn't really like to hear that. <laughs> but thank you, Carrie, for bringing it out. Thank you for uh, not letting me live in a, a kind of illusion, right? A kind of illusion around um, how close to God am I? How, how deep is my union with God? How passionate am I about God and living the life that, that he wants for me? And so I'm going back to the beginning. I'm going back to the start. And the start of the catechism has profound and dynamic uh, truths that are displayed in compelling ways that will hopefully enlighten your mind and mine. Lord, come enlighten our minds. But if we really receive insight, not just information, if the truth that is, that is there, the truth that is brought to expression in the pages of the Catechism, if that truth can be a light for us, it will enlighten us, it'll help us see into our lives more fully, then it won't just be interesting information that we can store away, that can confirm our own confidence in the reality of the faith. As important as that is, no, I'm talking about growth and holiness. I'm talking about developing a more profound relationship with Jesus. That's, that should be our daily itinerary. That, that should be your itinerary today in mine. What am I going to do today to grow in holiness? What am I going to do today to express my commitment to Jesus Christ? Good question. Good question. Now, you know that I mean, you know that what I'm not saying is, you know, Quick, turn the car around, don't go to work, drive to church, and don't leave, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about a fundamental act of surrender and abandonment into God's hands. A fundamental act of trusting and entrusting our lives fully, uh, freely, and forever giving our lives over to the Lord, saying, I trust you, Lord, and I entrust all that I am and all that I have into your hands. That's an act of faith. And then having confidence that the Lord is going to move in that. He, he will move through that. He will open up doors before you that you don't even know are there. I, I, I love to challenge the faithful, brothers and sisters, and, and that means you today, you're listening for a reason. Give the Lord a chance to surprise you. 
to surprise you with a witness, a testimony, with a, with a sign, a demonstration that he sees you, he knows what you're going through, he cares about you, and, and he is, he's knocking on the door of the right now moment of your life to do something, to do something more than you ask or imagine, do definitely something more than you deserve, to bring blessings into your life, and to take care of you, yes, even in the details. Now, isn't that the God you want to get to know better? Isn't that the living Lord that has a face and a name revealed to us, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the living Lord? He sees you. He is looking at you right now. He is with you in your home, in the car, on your way to church, on your way from church. You're sitting and listening, listening to this podcast while you're working out, while, you, while you're walking through the world. Whatever you're doing, Brian, whatever you're doing, Sarah, the, the Lord sees you. He knows you by name. He does. And praise be to God for that. Praise be to God for that. Now let's let him in. Let's, let's ask him. Let's give him that space. Lord, surprise me today. Surprise me today with the sign and the wonder that you do in my life, for my life, or for those that I love, as, as, a, as a display of just how much you delight in me, how much you... you you really want to bless me. Okay, all of that that I just shared is traceable back to what we're going to discuss today on the program. Yeah, it is. It's the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it, it's a paragraph number that I think you're going to remember. It's paragraph one. <laughs> today, I'm going to see if I can get through paragraph number one of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Normally when I'm with the Good Fathers on Mondays and uh, we go through sections of the, par- of the Catechism, we get through maybe four or five paragraphs, but I don't have them speeding me up today. Uh, I'm just teasing. We're going we're gonna to dig into this and get ready to be blessed by the amazing text of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Okay, let's get started. Before the paragraph one, you see, there's always going to be a before. There are two other statements that are said. There's the prologue, which are three scriptures, and then there's the title of the first section, the first three verses. And so I'm going to cover those before I even get to paragraph number one. You see, that's why I'm (laughs) laughing over the fact that we'll see if we can get through three, three paragraphs, okay? The prologue. The prologue, and this is a common thing you'll see in the catechism, is that it'll lead off different sections with quotes, often the scriptures, but not only scriptures. But here at the beginning, there is a scripture. There's not just one, there's not just two, there are three scriptures. And I want you to ponder this for a moment. If you could pick a scripture to be the headline the very, very, very first scripture or words that are read by someone who's opening the catechism to page one. What would be the scripture that you would choose? The one or the two or the three scriptures? And, you know, there, there are probably a lot of contenders for that, right? But listen to the three that 
and, and, and that's actually a great exercise. This is this is called reflection. Theological reflection would be for you to say, well, here are the pa- here are the three passages that I would choose, and here's why I would choose them. And so I would choose um, Luke twelve thirty two. Luke twelve thirty two is do not live in fear, little flock. It has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. And for me, that would be a beautiful way of identifying so many key aspects of the gospel, that God is our loving Father, that we are like sheep of his flock, we shouldn't be afraid, and that God has good things for us. He's pleased to give us the kingdom, right? All of that. So, um, or maybe it would be John eight twelve, right? Uh, you shall know the truth. Oh, is it John eight fourteen eight? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Or maybe it's, I am the way and the truth and the life, says the Lord. Right, so there are, uh, and, and, and again, why would you say that? I, um, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Well, the Catechism is going to be a book that identifies so many important truths, right? Um, or maybe uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Um, you know, come to me, all you who labor and find life uh, burdensome, and I'll give you rest, take my yoke upon uh, take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I'm meek and humble for yourselves. You'll find rest for your souls, right? That that passage. Well, the Catechism chooses uh, three three verses. Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's John 17, 3. John 17, 3. Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then the second is from 1 Timothy 2. God, our Savior, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then then there's the third verse from Acts chapter 4. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. And when you put those three together, those three passages of Scripture together, there is a tension, a, a, a theological, uh, a, uh, a tension, a, a paradox. There's a kind of paradoxical tension between these verses of Scripture. And you say, Tom, what are you talking about? A tension between them. Well, what I mean is, they are all expressing an important point, but those points don't fit together neatly and easily. What am I talking about? Well, I'll tell you in a minute on Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. So 
Right now here, we are looking at the prologue to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it identifies three passages of Scripture, one from John 17, one from 1 Timothy chapter 2, and one from Acts chapter 4. And I mentioned that there's this tension between them. And when I say tension, I don't mean contradiction. I just mean that it's not easy to let these scriptures live together in in harmony. So for instance, it's the clearest with the second and the third. The second one is, it's very beautiful, and I love this scripture. God our Savior desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We get that. God has, this is what's called a universal salvific will. God created every human being with the intention that they would be saved. So much so that one of the ways of describing God is Savior. God our Savior. It doesn't say Jesus our Savior. It says God our Savior. So God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is not only creator, but also redeemer, saver, savior. He wills and intends to save us all. However, that has to live next to there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, so now the first verse, that, that I mean that verse from First Timothy, has a universal expression to it. God wants everyone to be saved. But then the next one says, well, those who are saved are saved by the name of Jesus. He is the only name. His is the only name that saves. He is the only Savior, the only path to salvation. So the universal call to salvation that God has, has a very, well, seemingly restricted narrowness to to those who call upon the name of Jesus, the one Savior. And and then all of a sudden you're, you're saying, wait a minute, if we uphold the first one without the second one, then all of a sudden the person of Christ and his gospel seem to be watered down and would it would maybe give like how special and how unique is Jesus and his uh, his uh, his message and the church as the sacrament of salvation as the ark of salvation and and yet if you focus on the second, and so therefore, well, other religions, they're all paths to salvation for those who are there, would be the, um, one of the potential conclusions. But then if you, if you focused too much on the third, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. If you started with that and said, Let, let's begin here. Let's begin with the name of Jesus, the only Savior. You have to call upon him to be saved. Well, then you're left in a bit of a quandary. Well, this God who wants everyone to be saved, but they, only those who are saved are saved through Jesus. Well, what about all those billions of people who never hear the name of Jesus, who never have a chance to enter the church, who never have a chance to receive the sacrament of salvation, the, ba- the gift of baptism? Well, what happens to them? What happened to that powerful God's will for the salvation of everyone? Well, Jesus is the one Savior. And so, boy, that means we better giddy up and get out there and proclaim Jesus so that people will have a chance to be saved. So that's what I mean by a sense of tension 
between these two verses of Scripture. And yet the church puts them out there. <laughs> the church puts them out there uh, in the catechism at the very beginning. It says, we're not afraid to put forward scriptures that don't easily come to a simple explanation and a happy sitting together. Uh, and, and, and there's that third verse as well. Father, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, which speaks about somehow this life that God has for us, this life beyond death together with him, somehow touches right here and now. And it touches here and now through what we understand as knowing knowing the true God and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. So, so somehow it becomes critically important to focus on our growth and our understanding of the faith, because there is a way in which that's going to communicate to us a, a sense of uh, the, the reality, like a foretaste right now of eternal life. And the church actually says that, that, the new life that is ours as children of God is something that we share in already through baptism, and we grow in every time we receive a sacrament. So these three verses all together, very powerful, but not easily held together in some systematic form. And so I love this. It gets us to ponder. It gets us to think. Do I focus too much uh, on the saving will of God that's universal such that I lose the specialness and uniqueness of Jesus Christ? Or do I emphasize the uniqueness of Jesus Christ in a way that overly narrowly restricts how God brings about that salvation that he wills for all human beings that he brought about through Christ and continues to manifest to the world through the church? These are not easy questions. And, and frankly, they're questions that we are going to have to get through the whole catechism, ponder it for a very long time, ponder these questions, live these questions, live the faith to be able to have insights into when it is we are falling off on one direction or the other regarding how these three passages, which are all the word of God, live together. Okay. I had too much fun with that. Let's move forward and let's talk about the first title, the title of the very of the prologue, the first section of the prologue. It's called The Life of Man, dash, and then there are five words, blank. The Life of Man, and then it says blank, 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 five words. So I like to, I'm pausing here because I want you once again, as a reflective exercise, again, I'm making you work this morning. What is the life of man all about? What is the life of a human being all about? This title, it stakes a claim. It is making it utterly clear from the, the get-go, <laughs> the very first thing it's going to say about the life of human beings. What is it? Well, you can peel away the different layers of answers that are not deep enough. They don't, they don't go deep enough. The life of man is to 
to, uh, let's see, the life of man is to uh, contribute to the good and the well-being of society. The life of man is to uh, fulfill the duties of his state in life, right? That's even a more profound theological one right there. But the deepest one, the life of man, to know and love God. What is your life all about? Strip it all away. It's not providing for your family. It's not protecting yourself against harm and danger. It's not uh, helping others to, uh, to, to move forward in life. No, no, the life of man, when we get right down to it, right, strip it all away, it's to know and love God. Is that a burning concern of yours? Do, do you consider that an essential part of your identity? That your life is about knowing God and loving God. The mind and the heart. How much do we focus on that? How much do we care about that? How much do we think about that? And somehow if I'm not knowing and loving God, I'm somehow missing out on not just some like one facet among many facets of my life. Somehow... I'm getting the central thing wrong. I'm missing the thing. The most important thing. Not that other things aren't important. Yeah, they are. Uh, You know, so many things are important. Taking care of my family, right? Uh, uh, Being responsible, uh, living a noble life, right? All that stuff. Yes, 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 yes. But in what ways am I knowing God and seeking to grow in my knowledge of God? And how am I loving God today? Because there are so many things I can be doing as expressions of my love of God. And there are so many other things I can be doing in order to grow in my knowledge of God. So that's what we're going to explore in paragraphs one through three. Is what, does it, what is this life of man all about? This life where we are called to know and love God. All right. Finally, we are at passage number, uh, paragraph number one. This is Tom Kern, and I'm going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church at the beginning of this liturgical year. I thought, hey, you know what? Catechism, let's dig in. Let's get a refresher. Let's get refreshed regarding the meaning of our lives as Catholics and, and go deeper into the fundamental realities of who we are. Okay, so paragraph one. I'm going to read it first, and then I'll break it open for you. I, I put it this way: I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's four sentences, but they're ver- or five sentences, but they're very rich sentences. So, sentence number one: God, infinitely perfect and blessed in Himself, in a plea- plan of sheer goodness freely created us to make us share in his own blessed life. Okay, I'll say that again. And I did change a couple words there. I changed man to us. I wanted to make it more personal. But I'll read it the way it states it. God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. All right, that first sentence of the catechism, that first sentence of paragraph one, you're not going to get, I mean, that is, that's ground level stuff. That is the foundation of it all. What is it saying? Well, God, 
infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. What does that mean? Well, we actually will never understand, we will never comprehend the fullness of who God is, who's infinitely perfect. You see, our minds, we can sense, our minds are made to be able to, uh, to touch the infinite, but not to comprehend it. You see, our hearts were made for God. So we can come into living contact and communion with the infinite God. But we'll never comprehend. That is, be able to put a fence around. That, that's what comprehend means, to put a fence around. To be able to wrap our minds around. No, God infinitely surpasses our mind's capacity to understand him. And so he's infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. Now what this means is, is that he didn't need to create. There was no necessity in God that said, well, in order for God to be God, God needed to create. And it would also be an incorrect way of thinking about uh, the act of creation as God was just sort of hanging around, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they thought, you know, this is kind of getting boring. Why don't we, why don't we like, hey, why don't we create a universe? Let's create some beings that will be in our image and likeness. No, God did not lack anything. God wasn't just perfect and blessed in himself, perfectly happy, complete, but infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. And so, well, what was, the, what was this idea of creating all about then? Well, in a plan of sheer goodness, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created us. Okay, so what does that mean? Okay, let's focus on that word goodness. The, good, the concept of goodness is an important one. The classical definition of the word good, like the true, the good, and the beautiful, the good is bonum, bonum, the good, est divusivum sui. The good is that which overflows itself. The good is that which overflows itself. So when the Catechism says, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created us, there's this sense of saying, it wasn't out of any lack, any gap, any need, but rather a sense of overflowing. There's this sense of a fullness that overflowed that was a way of understanding what God was conveying through his creation. And what was he conveying? Well, he created us so that we could share in his blessed life, his divine life, his life of perfect happiness. The, the greatest gift that God has given us is life. Not mere existence, but a share in his life. And he did so freely. He did so out of sheer goodness. There was just this overflowing uh, uh, way in which God 
made the decision, willed, that we would be able to share in a created way in his uncreated life. More on this in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. I am doing something that I enjoy very much, which is theological reflection and, ref and sharing the fruits of that reflection live with you. And I'm doing that by drawing on the incredible resource, which is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Now, you may have heard that Father Mike Schmitz, Father Mike Schmitz, <laughs> is going to be doing a walk through the Catechism in a year. All I can say is good luck with that. <laughs> he, did the, he did the Bible in a year, and uh, extremely popular, right? The most popular, the number one podcast on Apple Podcasts for, well, I guess through most of the year. And he's got a gift. God has certainly raised him up. In, in the mystery of COVID, he got discovered at a whole new level. He was um, popular at, like, I think, Steubenville conferences and focus conferences and uh, in, in, in places like that. But he certainly became much better known through COVID and through his Bible in a Year program. So Ascension Press has been um, highlighting and promoting the fact that uh, the Catechism in a Year, walk through the Catechism in a Year, you can go to Ascension Press and you can learn more about what they're doing there. Uh, but what a great way to get the Catechism in little snippets, right? So he's sort of going to water ski across the Catechism because in 365 days he has to get through about nine paragraphs a day, which will never happen. It's just impossible. So he's going to have to do a lot of water skiing, skip, 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 skip. Um, I'm more of a scuba diver. I love to take passages and, and go deep into them, like hopefully I'm doing today with paragraph number one. What's again, what's the life, what's your life all about? Well, knowing and loving God. Among everything else today, if you do that, you've had a good day. And, and all of a sudden now we can start appreciating our dignity, your dignity. Do you realize your dignity? That God freely created you? You. You, you, you. Not an accident. Not a mistake. Not random. You. God created. Out of sheer goodness. Out of sheer goodness, he created you so that you could share in his life. That's his plan for you. That's his plan. Now, get ready. There's a second verse. I'm sorry, a second verse. A second sentence. The second sentence of the Catechism says this, For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. All right. Like, you thought that first sentence was amazing? Like recognizing these incredible truths about God and about creation and about you, the one he has created, 
and what his will is, well, what follows from that is even more amazing. For this reason, the Catechism says, and I'm now I'm going to really make it personal, at every time, that means right now, and at every moment of your day, and in every place, that means where you are as you hear my voice, and every place that you'll go to today, every place, together with others or hidden by yourself, in the middle of a crowd or all alone, at every time and in every place, God is drawing close to you. He draws close to you. And you, you stop and you, you say that, and it's like, how many Catholics know that? How many Catholics have heard that? And if you say, oh, that's not new information to me, do you believe it? Let me give you other words instead of believe. Have you encountered that? The, the reality of God drawing close to you? Have you, I'm going to use a different word, experienced it? What, what is that like when God draws close to you? Do, do you believe that right now? Do you sense that right now? That God is drawing close to you? What's that like? Is it, is it, uh, is it the experience of the holy that Rudolf Otto talked about? So the, the, the mystery, the idea of the holy is that that which is holy, which is the attribute of divinity, is the attribute of, of God and godliness, is that you have a sense of the mysterium tremendum et fascinosans. Fascinosans. The mystery, which is tremendous, which is overwhelming and fascinating, supremely attractive. Do you ever have that sense? Do you ever have that sense? Have you ever had that sense of an encounter with the living God? Not the encounter with God that you sought out because you went to a holy place and prayed and made certain holy actions or you made a significant effort to go out into uh, nature or in some beautiful space and made a determined effort. But rather, have you had the experience of God knocking on the door of your awareness, your consciousness, in your heart? Have you sensed him moving in the, in the right now moment of your life? I know some of you are thinking, is he talking about feelings? Is this just an emotional thing? Uh, what are we talking about here? Isn't, isn't God found simply by doing his will and then by honoring him, we believe? And, and believing is, is not seeing. And not seeing certainly means you're not experiencing and therefore you're not feeling. What are you talking about? Uh, well, I'm talking about the catechism. At every time and in every place, God draws close to you. 
he draws close to you. And you can know that. And you can be aware of that. And you can stand in awe and wonder that the holy God, who is the creator of the entire universe, has such an intimate and personal care for you that he draws close to you. And he is there. Not just knocking, but whispering. Not just whispering, but pouring in. Not just pouring in, but stirring up. Not just stirring up, but filling. Not just filling, but filling to overflowing. Not just that, but calming the storm. Putting a healing balm over the open wound. He is releasing and setting free from anxiety, from a sense of stress and pressure. He is speaking to you. I am with you. I am here for you. I love you. That's the God who's drawn close to you right now. This is the catechism. This is the catechism of the Catholic Church. And it's like, can we even get beyond the second sentence of paragraph one? Well, let's see what he is saying to us when he draws close to us. That's sentence three. Are you ready? He calls, I'm just going to make it personal again. He calls you. He calls you to seek him, to know him, to love him with all your strength. Say it again. He calls you to seek him, to know him, to love him, with all his all your strength. Okay. This this actually there's there's a rich theology here in, in that simple sentence, in that third sentence of paragraph one of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So the first is he's calling you, right? He's calling out to you, he's calling you, and he's calling you to seek him. Okay, now what what let's let's kind of tease out what this just might be referring to in our tradition. Let's go back to Augustine. So St. Augustine, this incredible fourth into the fifth century father of the church, the, the greatest of the Western fathers of the church, he said that God who loving us is like a magnet drawing us. That to experience the love of God It'll manifest itself in the, in the momentum of being drawn. You're being drawn to God. And it, it's like in the Song of Songs where I hear his voice, it's lovely, and I'm eagerly following after him. Right? That, that kind of language, the language of love, is the language of I hear his voice and I'm drawn, I'm drawn out, I'm drawn towards. And so the Lord the loving God who draws close to us, when he speaks our name, when he speaks to us, when he communicates in the intimacy of our hearts, in the depths of our souls, he is drawing us. That's the experience of love. We'll come back and I'll say it in a different way in a moment on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. To love is to be drawn, St. Augustine. 
to love is to be drawn. I'll give you a more modern way of saying it, a contemporary way of saying it. To exist is to be addressed by God in love. To exist. The very reality of just being where you are, as you are, when you are, as I'm speaking these words to you, just being is to be addressed by God in love. And, and so, it, isn't this a great thing to pray for? Lord, I just beg you today, please, please, please help me and those I love to come to a greater awareness that I'm only existing because you are addressing me in love. You are beholding me in love. You are upholding me in love. And you are calling out to me in love. And you are drawing me in love. And that manifests itself in my life by my desire for you. That's the word in Augustine, desire. It's that fundamental desire. It's the longing. It's why we're unsatisfied. It's the restless heart. It's the ache in the human heart. It's all of that that points to this fact that we're being loved by God. It's because you've been loved by God that you want to get up and chase after him. You desire him. You're seeking. There it is. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to us. He calls us to seek him. Okay, so that's his loving us. He's drawing close to us in love, and that manifests itself in a desire to pursue him, to seek for him, to seek to come into living contact with him, to seek after union with him, to seek him, to know him. And knowing him is far more than just having correct information about him. But to know him has that sense of personal knowledge, that sense of personal knowledge that is the fruit of personal union. And so, Unless you know him, you will not love him. But unless you love him, you will understand nothing about who God is. That's St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So St. Anselm is famous for, or even going back to Augustine, credo ut intelligam, I believe so that I might understand. Unless you believe unless you have that knowledge and faith that has come to you and that act of baptism and that infused gift of belief, of faith, you will understand nothing about God. Bernard, 600 years later, says, yeah, credo ut intelligam, but amo ut intelligam. I love so that I might understand. Unless you love God, you will understand nothing about the true nature of God. And so God calls us to seek him. Again, he's loving us, and that manifests itself in us. It leaves its mark in us to desire him, to chase after him. And in turn, we, in our own seeking, strive to know him. Again, more than just information, but personal knowledge, where we come to know 
who he is as we grow in our own following after him, living in a way that honors him, following his commandments, studying the scriptures, having that prayerful communication with him, that dialogue, which is prayer. And in doing that, we come to love him with all our strength. With all our strength. So that means more than just we make a half-hearted effort three times a week to say a decade of the rosary and call it a day because we're doing better than most. That is not (laughs) seeking, knowing, and loving God with all our strength, all of our resources, all our strength, right? It's not just physical strength. It's not just energy. It's all of our resources. We're putting, putting it all out there. Are we using our time, our talents, our energy? Are we giving any focus and attention to growing in our relationship with God? Paragraph, man, paragraph one of the catechism, I'm not even done with it yet. It's got a lot there. It is dense. It's a dense paragraph. So let's, in this Advent, let's just try to live paragraph one better. Let's see if we can love God with a little bit more of our strength. Seek, seek him with a little bit more effort. A little bit more time and attention. Now, and then love him. Do do you love him? Do you tell him you love him? Do you make acts that are giving of yourself to him just just because he's God? All right. I am not going to get through this paragraph if I don't pick up the pace here. So God, this is sentence four, God calls together all men, all of us, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. So God calls together all of us, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. And again, so much to break open there, right? So God who created the world and recognizes that there is sin that has entered the world, and and the catechism is going to tell that story or explore that, way more than we're getting right here. But there's a sense of division that has a brokenness, right? You think of the Tower of Babel. There's this sense of separation. But the Lord desires unity among all those beings whom he has created, all of us human beings. And that unity happens in the church, which is called his family. The church is the family of God. And so does God want everyone to be Catholic and belong to the church? Yeah. You can, you can quote me. <laughs> Concretely, is everyone going to become Catholic and become members of the church? No. Not in the concrete circumstances of the brokenness of, of the world in which we live. But God certainly wills that all would come into the place, the church that he has established where the fullness of truth and the fullness of means of salvation reside. So how does he accomplish this? Well, I'm glad you asked, Tom. Sentence number five. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son as Redeemer and Savior. In his Son and through him, God invites us to become in the Holy Spirit his adopted children, and thus heirs of his blessed life. So all of a sudden, the the catechism, the bishops in, in this first paragraph, they, what did they just do? 
they just gave you like a full ride through, uh, well, through much of salvation history. Right? Salvation history begins with God, God creating, God creating us, God's will that we would all be with him. He's reaching out to us in love, sin break, broke and divided, our relationship with him and with each other. He sent his son to bring about unity, to bring about a union in the family of God, the church. And he accomplished that through Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, with Jesus, in Jesus, we become in the Holy Spirit, adopted children, adopted children of the Father, and thus heirs of his blessed life. And that points us back to the ultimate goal where God is leading us. And so there in, in the last sentence of the first paragraph of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you have the Trinity, you have creation, redemption, you have the elevation to uh, the, new st- the new creation of children of God through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is not quite a reference in there fully to the concept of sanctification, but it is in there um, with the idea that we're adopted children and thus heirs of his blessed life which is basically how is God bringing about the plan that he has established for the world. That's an awful lot to fit into one paragraph. Not just one paragraph, but the first paragraph of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And there's a lot more I could say, but frankly, I'm pretty much out of time here. So what's my encouragement? My encouragement is, do not doubt the power and importance of theological reflection as an important component of growing in your life of faith? Do you want to grow and nurture your own um, intimacy with the Lord, a growth in holiness, a growth in um, being his light in your own family? Do Do you want your family to grow in their relationship with God? It will, it will, it's traced back in some manner to you and your own pursuit of the living God. That the Lord blesses your kids in some manner through your efforts as well. It's really important. Let's not doubt it. So don't only pray for your kids, but pursue the living God so that he lives in you more fully and watch the fruits that will flow over into your kids and those you love. All right, I am up against the end of my program. Thanks for walking with me through paragraph one of the Catechism. God bless your day, and join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.